Section 5 of Anthropology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anthropology, Book 1 by Immanuel Kant, translated by Adolf Ernst Kroger. Section 5 Apology for Sensuousness and Sensuousness Justified. 8. Apology for Sensuousness. Everybody renders all possible reverence to the understanding, as indeed the very naming of that faculty, it being called the upper faculty of cognition, implies. And anyone who should attempt to laud it would be discountenanced by the ridicule of that orator who glorified the praise of virtue. Stute! but sensuousness is in bad repute far worse things are told of it for instance that it confuses the power of representation that it puts on a bold air and pretends to be the mistress whereas it ought to be simply the servant of the understanding and that it is obstinate and hard to manage and finally that it even deceives and that hence we cannot be sufficiently on our guard against it on the other hand however it does not lack advocates especially amongst poets and people of taste who not only glorify the sensualization of the conceptions of the understanding as a merit, but also insist that those conceptions must not be analyzed minutely. They characterize their pregnancy as fullness of thought, their emphasis as perspicuity of language, and their self-evidence as clearness of consciousness declaring meanwhile that the nakedness of the understanding is merely a deficiency footnote since we speak here only of the faculty of cognition and hence representation and not of feeling of enjoyment or disgust sensation can signify here only sensuous representation empirical contemplation as distinguished equally from conception or thinking and from pure contemplation of time and space End footnote. we need here no panegyrist but merely advocates against the accuser the passive element in sensuousness which after all we cannot strip off is really the cause of all the bad things laid to its charge the inner perfection of man consists in this that he has the use of all his functions under his own direction in order to be able to submit it to his own free arbitrariness but this requires that the understanding should rule without weakening sensuousness which in itself has a mob characteristic since it does not reflect because without sensuousness there would be no material for the application of the legislative understanding nine sensuousness justified against the first accusation the senses do not confuse it cannot be said of a man who has taken hold of a given manifold though he has not yet put it in order that he has confused it the perceptions of the senses our empirical conscious representations can be called only inner phenomena 
the understanding which joins them and connects them under a rule of thinking bringing order into the manifold first constitutes them empirical cognitions that is experience hence it is the fault of the understanding neglecting its duty if it judges rashly without having previously regulated the sensuous perceptions according to conceptions and if then it complains about the confusedness of those perceptions as due to the sensuous organization of man this reproach applies as well to the unfounded complaint about the confusedness of the external as to that of the internal sensuous perceptions it is true that the sensuous perceptions precede the conceptions of the understanding and present themselves in large numbers but all the more are we repaid by the result when the understanding comes with its regulative power and intellectual form and for instance finds numerous expressions for the conceptions emphatic utterances for the feelings and interesting ideas for the determinations of the will the wealth which the intellectual productions in oratory and poetry bring at once before the conceptive power of the understanding often it is true throws that power into confusion whenever it is called upon to make clear and expound to itself all the acts of reflection which it actually though in an unconscious sort of way performs in these productions but this is not a defect on the part of sensuousness on the contrary it is rather a merit to have offered an abundance of material to the understanding in comparison with which abundance the abstract conceptions of the understanding appear often merely as a glittering indulgence sensuousness justified against the second accusation the senses do not govern the understanding on the contrary they rather submit themselves to the understanding in order that it may control their services the fact that they do not want the importance which attaches to them in what is usually called common sense sensus communis to pass unrecognized cannot be charged to them as an assumption to govern the understanding it is true that there are judgments which are not formally taken before the tribunal of the understanding in order to be passed upon and which therefore seem to have been dictated by the senses such judgments are found for example in the so-called epigrams or oracular sayings of the kind that socrates attributed to his demon for in those instances it is always presupposed that the first judgment concerning what is right or wise to be done in a certain case is also the true and correct one as a rule and that it can only be artificialized by pondering over it but in point of fact these judgments do not come from the senses but from actual though half unconscious consideration of the understanding the senses prefer no claim upon them but resemble the common people who if they are not a mob ignobile vulgus submit readily to their superior the understanding though they certainly also want to be heard in the matter hence if certain judgments and insights are regarded as proceeding immediately and not through the mediation of the understanding from the internal sensuousness 
and if the latter is consequently presumed to wield the rule of itself it is mere extravagance of fancy closely allied to insanity sensuousness justified against the third accusation the senses do not deceive this proposition is the refutation of the most important though almost most groundless objection raised against the senses not because they always judge correctly but because they do not judge at all hence errors are always attributable to the understanding nevertheless the understanding has if not a justification at least an excuse in sensuous appearance species apparentia by means of which man is often led to mistake the subjective of his perception for the objective and hence appearance for experience as for instance when a distant square tower of which he does not see the corners appears to him round when the sea the remoter parts of which are brought to his eye by higher rays of light appears to him higher than the shore ultum mare or when the full moon which he sees as it rises on the horizon through a mist appears to him further removed and hence larger than when it is high in the heavens although the angle of vision is the same but the errors thus arising are errors of the understanding and not of the senses one of the objections raised against sensuousness by logic is that the cognitions to which it gives rise are shallow individual limited to the special while the understanding which deals with the general and hence has to accommodate itself to abstractions is reproached with being dry but an ascetical treatment the first requirement of which is popularity pursues a path on which both defects can be avoided end of section five